BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Sunday afternoon game. Pacific Division rival, Los Angeles Lakers in town. The last meeting against the Lakers, the fifth meeting. Suns win. Much needed win. After dropping two consecutive games in Texas to both Dallas and Houston, the Suns come home and play the Lakers and and get a win that was, I think we could all agree, much, much needed by this team. You come out after the All-Star break and you lose the first three games, uh, all against teams that, you know, are, are beatable are teams that the Suns could and potentially should be beating. It just, it puts a damper on your spirits as a fan. And we know that because we've experienced in that for the past couple of days of, as we've navigated our feelings following a, a poor loss to the Houston Rockets, but they win, they beat the Los Angeles Lakers. Matthew, it's always a good day to beat LA. Beautiful. And after the last game, we didn't know where we're going to go from there, but right now, yeah, forgetting about Bradley Beal, you know, I mean, unfortunately, one of the disadvantages of Bradley Beal is uh, the sheer fact that he's again injured, missed this game, hamstring injury, and is going to, you know, we don't play again until Thursday, so we shall see, but the positive side, obviously, of all this is, is a victory against the Lakers, and it's a team that, uh, entered as the 10th seed in the Western conference. The Suns entered as the eighth seed in the Western conference. You didn't want to give up any more ground. And that's, that's what lies before the Suns in their final 24 games. It's a battlefield. Love is a battlefield out there because it's just every game. There's a grenade out there that you have to watch out or some sort of landmine that if you step on, it could blow up your season. So, knowing that they're going out there today, playing against a Lakers team that has LeBron James and Anthony Davis uh, and winning in the fashion that they did. And, and it wasn't because of Devin Booker or Kevin Durant. It's because the other guys stepped up tonight, Matthew. 
Yeah, it was a total team effort. It started in the first six minutes of the game and carried on through the rest of the game. There were moments in this game where it was a little stagger, a little ISO, but the majority is pretty evenly spread throughout the basically the starting five and like the two guys off the bench. So the best, I think, team game the Suns have played in a long time. I think they definitely need it today. And like you said, none other than the Lakers coming here to Phoenix and just destroying them and they fans going home. It's nice to see. Yeah, so uh you know, everybody, Matthew's at the game. He's live, live at the footy, so we're going to get his Sorry, reaction. He out. <laughs> so like, we're hoping he doesn't, <laughs> we're hoping he doesn't I might get be handcuffed this time. We're like, all right, sir, we told you once. <laughs> no matter what, keep streaming. I'll keep okay? streaming. <laughs> okay, that's that's the goal. You have to keep streaming. Uh, take it with you if, if they – it, it makes it for something some very very interesting uh post game video so yeah matthew's live at the footy gonna give us all the reactions that happened there as we saw a team effort win over the los angeles lakers so welcome everybody who's watching or listening later to the sun's jam session podcast the original post game podcast of planet orange shooting the shit about the phoenix suns since 2019 make sure you follow the show at suns jam wherever you consume your content you can follow me at darth voida on twitter and read my writing at brightsideofthesun.com he's matthew lissy you can follow him at matthew lissy i know that he's not going to be i'd say pop a beer or something um but i'm sure that that would get you kicked out by security as well so what do you got there like a, a, a diet oh you got a coffee you got a coffee um, I'm on mute. So okay. uh, I got my second coffee of the Ooh. day. And it's I love the day games because you just hang out and you walk upstairs and you're like, oh my God, it's still daytime. Because usually at night I'm like, oh, I'm exhausted. I can't have coffee for it. I can have coffee at four o'clock. Yeah, you're, you're gonna be Cheers. walking. At, you're gonna be walking out of the uh, the the arena after the post game podcast. Hopefully not in handcuffs, and it'll still be daylight <laughs> out. So pop them if you got them, Suns fans. Let's talk about a victory oh, over a the Los Angeles Lakers. Victory for the Phoenix Suns as they beat the Los Angeles Lakers 123 to 113. This improves their record to 34 and 24 on the season and their home record to 19 and 11, whereas the Lakers now drop to 31 and 28 and are 11 and 19 on the road. Uh, which brings me to my first question. Oi, Matty. Mate, I've got to ask. Matthew, I got to ask. This game, one of those games, Suns go out and score a season high, 45 points in the first quarter. Most points that they have scored in any quarter this season. What was your feeling after that 45-point quarter? Was this, uh, oh no, we know that we're going to blow this, or I think that based on what we've seen, the Suns have a different energy tonight. What did you feel in there in the arena? My first feeling was, wow, that was a long first quarter. It seemed like it was the first half of the Suns. There was a lot of timeouts called, which was actually pretty good because going on runs like they did in the first quarter, the Lakers had no chance and no choice really to continue their efforts offensively until they had to call a timeout and it was kind of stopped the bleeding and literally bleeding all the time, LeBron and, <laughs> and Anthony Davis yeah. stopped play throughout the whole game because they were bleeding. Um, but the feeling was good. I just feel like um, it, it starts with, for me, this is just the way I am. 
like the court, the jerseys, the intro, everything, like a Sunday evening, uh, Sunday afternoon. It's just, it's a good feeling in the arena. I think it just kind of carries over to the players that, you know, like you said, like the losing two games right after the All-Star break, they want to get back into things, make sure that they can stay within the eighth seed of the West at least today. Um, so coming off of that, you just knew like the one thing that would really kind of help this team is team ball and getting other guys involved. Like they have Royce O'Neal starting today and then Bobo coming in early in the game. Like guys like that just kind of like carried that momentum. So my my original feeling after the first quarter was that was great for team ball. I felt good. I didn't feel the feeling of, oh, we're going to blow this. I felt like this was what the Suns needed in order to get, you know, going and start maybe a win streak here after this victory. Yeah, I think that when the team comes out and they score 45 points, I get a little worried. It's almost like a, a Eugene Lissyism, right? Like, oh, uh, they scored too fast, too early. Uh, you know, you can't go up big earlier. You never know what's going to happen. Because of what we've seen from Phoenix is how did they develop that 45-point lead? I guess that's kind of step one. Or not 45-point lead, that 45-point first quarter performance. And the way that they did it was, as you mentioned, Matthew, through team ball. Right, like Devin Booker had 11 points, but you had six from Royce O'Neal, six from Kevin Durant, eight from Yusuf Nurkic, five from Grayson Allen, seven from Bull Bull, and Saban leave and, and dropped a couple points in there as well. And that's how you get to 45. And it's team ball that got them there. But the challenge that we've seen with regularity when it comes to this team is unfortunately they get out of that popping the ball around the perimeter, penetrating pop. Uh, they, they, they go into some isolation ball and what starts to happen is everybody around them gets out of rhythm and it turns into uh one and dones on the offensive side of the ball. Now, granted, you can't blame that on the Suns. You can say sit there and say, hey, opposing coaches, they do a good job of game planning against what the Suns have done early on and they've adjusted to what Phoenix is doing relative to team ball. And, and they're the ones who are taking the Suns out of the rhythm, uh, out of the rhythm and forcing them into isolation basketball. But generally the rule of thumb and what I've experienced watching this team this season is that's the challenge is they go, Hey, cool. We got Royce O'Neal involved. We got Grayson Allen involved, but Katie and Devin Booker have to get there. So we're going to go isolation heavy in an effort to try to get them involved and to get the to do the heavy lifting. We're on certain nights and, and that's OK. But on certain nights, you have to continue what got you into the lead and what got you uh, and what took advantage of of the opposing defense. And tonight. That's what kind of happened. Right. If you take a look at like the first quarter team ball, the second and third quarter. Uh, where the Lakers kind of came back, we saw a little bit more isolation ball. And I'll talk about that a little bit when I talk about KD. And then the fourth quarter, as Michael Wilbon in the studio of ESPN was talking about how the Suns cough up so many leads and how the ESPN broadcasting is talking about how the Suns are, and rightfully so, the worst team in the fourth quarter. They outscore the Lakers 28-23 to 23 in that fourth quarter. They out they outshoot them uh, in the fourth as well. They, they shoot... Um, well, they don't outshoot. They outshoot them from beyond the arc, 40%. They were 4-10 from beyond the arc in the fourth quarter. I mean, that is absolutely paramount to success. So when you watch it and you're seeing and feeling the team ball aspect, and then you start to see some of that isolation, um, you know, kind of what's your take on all of that? Um, it, it's very frustrating. Like you said, when you have guys, like especially Royce O'Neal, who can definitely fill in the void of Eric Gordon um, at an instant, right when he comes in, or right when they start the game, you can just feel it defensively, offensively. He's like hitting an all cylinder. So you have that guy, and you have Grayson Allen, 
and Nurkic, who all these guys are like connectors really on the offense. So you don't really want to see that stop. And it's kind of frustrating because we know we got KD and Book, and yeah, they can go off for sure. But you can just see how the game changes so drastically when they do bring the ball up and try to, you know, get the mismatches, take it to the rim, force up difficult shots. It's cool. Like when it's going in, it looks good. But at times when it's missing and there's turnovers, especially leading to like LeBron dunks back to back, basically, yeah. to get the crowd back into it, get the Lakers back into it. That's when it's like, all right, let's keep moving the ball. Because if you're going to do that and you're going to keep coughing the ball up, LeBron's going to he's gonna get the crowd back into it. But also, like, I feel like the Lakers kind of just wait for LeBron to hit his threes. Like, of especially course. in the third quarter, it's like LeBron's just chucking up the threes. He gets a couple to go in, and then those dunks start to happen. But it's like they rely on that too much. You don't really have an Anthony Davis of the old at all. It's like a half of Anthony Davis out there. But then he was getting put back dunks. So it just kind of all like bleeds together. Like once the Suns move the ball around and you have Royce Neal cutting and Grayson Allen touching the ball and then the Suns are scoring because of great shot selection, then it kind of feeds to the defense and the crowd and everything just kind of comes together. So going off course a few times, I think they were kind of lucky they were playing the Lakers. A team that just, like I said, counts on LeBron's threes and then Anthony Davis. I don't know what they get from him. Like, we're lucky. And then especially um, D'Angelo Russell, who did get hot tonight, but he did shoot some threes that he pushed in the shot and kept moving the ball. So I think we kind of lucked out in that aspect of not, not like going down to the wire at the end of this game. I think that you hit on a couple things there, and it's something that, especially during the two losses that Phoenix experienced coming out of the All-Star break, is a, a drum that I'm definitely beating. It's effort. Effort needs to occur on the glass and effort needs to occur on defense because if that if that does happen, guess what? Great things happen offensively for a team that has showcased throughout the season that they are a great offensive team. Sands Bradley Beal, you know, missing his 28th game tonight. No Eric Gordon, as you mentioned. It has all these makings of, oh, this could be dangerous. But if you put the effort in on defense and if you put your effort in on the, on the boards, you can generate extra possessions and you can uh, lead to easy offense. And we saw plenty of that tonight for the Phoenix Suns. And it kind of started with the big guy down low, man, Yusuf Nurkic. Oh, so Yusuf Nurkic tonight, 18 points, 22 rebounds. I didn't even realize he had that many matches. Holy, Holy I, I know he had like, did he have 12 or 14 at the half? I didn't know he had 22 either. <laughs> Jeez, 18 yeah. and 22, seven of the offensive variety, seven of 12 overall from the, uh, the field, seven assists as well, a steal, a block, and came out right out of the gate playing physical against Anthony Davis. And I'll talk about it a little bit later as we navigate the subreddit stakeout for the Lakers. But a lot of fans on the Los Angeles side were stating that Davis wasn't ready for Nurkic to be that physical because he came down and he just bodied him up right in the middle of his chest, pushed him back a couple times and laid it in. And that was where he kind of got off and running. And you look at the fact that he had uh, his fourth first half double-double this season he was better around the rim. That's something that was driving everybody crazy, right? He had, what, three or four misses at the rim against Dallas. and I think it was three, and everybody was kind of losing their mind. And seeing Nurkic come out and go for 18 and 22, it allows – I don't know if it allows, but what it does, at least for us who kind of roam the cavern, uh, the, the, the landscape that is Twitter – 
it's going to make all those eight lovers go back to their troll caves for a while because that was the, some of them were popping out and be like, well, Aiden could have made that layup. It's like, did you watch him for five years? No, he would have done the same thing. So uh, what an amazing performance. What a physical performance over somebody in Anthony Davis who has done a good job against Nurk this season, right? Yeah, I think the the one that sticks out is just the preseason game, but I kind of feel like Nurk yeah. just has his way. Um, so, like I said before, um, Anthony Davis is not the same down low defensively at all. Uh, he's not the same player. So, I, I think two things. Well, one thing for sure is the fouls, the personal fouls. The, the refs were letting this these teams play. I think the Lakers, what they have, um, they had like four or eight, yeah, four of eight from the free throw line. The Suns were eight of eighteen of nineteen but only 12 personal fouls for the Suns, then 14 for the Lakers. So it's very low. It's like in a game like this, I think Nurk can just really dominate, and he was early on, especially around the boards when, you know, those offensive putbacks, uh, when AD at times, of course, was he had those offensive putbacks, but when they let him go hard against AD, and then like when LeBron comes in the in the middle and the paint, and they're not calling fouls for LeBron, like that helps out. That's the type of game that Nurk can really do well in. And uh, I just think that, you, like you said, you saw early in the beginning where he was just bodying him. They were letting him just do whatever he wanted with him. So I know I think Davis now is kind of frail in a way, but Nurk just – he needed this game because it's kind of been a while since we've had such a good Nurk game. This is an outstanding stat game. But, like, his impact early on the game is carried out through the whole game. And, um, you know, you kind of worry at times when Eubanks comes in to replace him. But, I mean, when, when Nurk is back in the game, you just – automatically see the difference in the offense and the defense tonight especially or today especially are you on mute or no i can't see if you are yeah i was sorry (laughs) don't want to hear you hear me burping over here (laughs) that'd be rude (laughs) his physicality today was something that uh we've seen numerous times throughout the season but we haven't necessarily seen it against anthony davis anthony davis as we've mentioned before is one of those unique you know, you don't want to go as far as say unicorn because I feel that that's a term that is utilized probably a little too easily by a lot of people in the NBA community. Anytime somebody has a certain skill, they're like, he's a unicorn, but he's definitely a unique player when it comes to his size and his his athletic ability and how he kind of marries the two, right? I mean, this is a guy who rightfully or not ended up in the NBA top 75 players of all time, Anthony Davis. And Due to that athleticism, Nurkic has had challenges with him, especially on the offensive end. If he goes and tries to make a layup, he got swatted, what, five times in the game against him earlier this season? I mean, it's definitely something that he has had a challenge with. But tonight, the strategy was, I'm going to body him, I'm going to attack him, and then I'm going to continue to attack the glass. As we mentioned, the 22 rebounds, seven of those of the offensive variety, which allow the Suns to have numerous second chance opportunities, which is something that's kind of weird and interesting because it feels like it always happens to the Suns, not for the Suns, in which the second chance points battle goes in their favor. Second pan- second chance points tonight for the Suns, 22 second chance points tonight or today for the Lakers, a total of 10. Uh, I've lost Matthew. For those of you who are watching, you'll see he's gone. If you're listening, you just think that Matthew's still uh, next to me, but he's not. I don't know what happened. Maybe they kicked him out. Oh, man, that poor guy. Uh, But, yeah, so the second chance points battle, the Suns outscored them by 12. And absolutely paramount to the success of this team is, if, like I said, effort. Effort leads to energy. Energy leads to 
quality possessions and or extra possessions and easy offense. And that is what the Suns had at their disposal tonight against the Lakers is they had those second chance opportunities. You look at the overall rebounding battle and the Suns smoked them. Absolutely smoked them. 51 rebounds for the Suns to 34 for the Lakers. That is a plus 17 for Phoenix. You look at overall offensive rebounds, 14 for the Suns, three. Three for the late three. I mean, I feel like we come on the show night after night and we have that conversation where it's like, Jesus, can we just stop the opposing team from getting an offensive rebound? Because it seems like every time we do, it results in a three point make for the opposition. And tonight it was the Suns who did that. They were the ones who were getting those extra possessions. They were the ones who were hitting their three pointers as a result. It's another thing that you don't normally see from Phoenix. We attempted more shots than the Lakers tonight. I feel like every game, because of turnovers, because we allow offensive rebounds, the opposition shoots more than Phoenix does. 93 to 90. 93 to 90. We outshot them by three. It's great. You don't see that very often. Uh, But a great performance by Yusuf Nurkic. And then you have the other guys. Right. I'll talk about Devin Booker. I'll talk about Bradley Beal. But you got to talk about Grayson Allen tonight, right? Hi, Barbie. Oh, hi, Allen. Oh, Grayson, Grayson Allen, our fuck shit up guy. You know, I was thinking about this because obviously we made the drop at the beginning of the season, and that's because we thought that Grayson Allen was going to be a fuck shit up guy because every team needs a fuck shit up guy. And what is that? What is an FSG, right? It's somebody who goes out and creates problems for the opposing team. Generally, we think of those problems in the context of physicality or annoyance, right? Like Pat Bev would be classified as an FSG, right? Because he goes out there and just tries to fuck shit up. Like that's his whole personality. Dylan Brooks, try, fake tough guy, right? But with Grayson Allen, what he is fucking up is everybody from beyond the arc. And tonight we saw it again with the way that he found himself open continually and was knocking down three-point shots. Grayson Allen tonight ends with 24 points, which was more than Kevin Durant, which was more than Devin Booker, which was more than any member of the Phoenix Suns. A team-high 24 points, 6 of 12 from beyond the arc, so fifty a, a smooth 50% shooting, 8 of 17 overall from the field, only two rebounds, which sucks because I bet the over on his rebounds. The over was like 3.5, and, and I feel like he gets 4 ad nauseum but no just just a couple rebounds tonight zero assists no playmaking a steal and a block but what he was fucking up was the defensive rotations for the lakers they were having the hardest time getting uh on the perimeter and rotating around to him and time after time you know like cindy lopper time after time he was just wide open and he knocked them down and you have to be appreciative of the fact that he was doing that again, because we we've had kind of a Grayson Allen drought a little bit where he's only attempting, what was it like two or three from the field in the last game, obviously with Gordon out with Beal out, he's going to get more shot opportunities, but he also uh, made those opportunities. And as Kenny says in the chat, Grayson timely threes. Yes. It seems like whenever they would get close, whenever they'd push a run, boom, it, there was a three point make by Grayson Allen. 
Uh, shout out to Frank Vogel in the chat. Coach Frank Vogel is joining us. He's got four ninety nine in the super chat. Said it always feels good to stick it to the organization that fired you. Go Suns. P.S. I love Suns Jam podcast. So thank you, head coach Frank Vogel, for watching here. I know that you probably just got done talking to the guys in the locker room, and now you're popping over here. Maybe just show them the pod. You know, let them know what we say. Let them know all of their uh, their funny nicknames. Maybe they'll. Uh, not talk to me next time I go to and cover a game for brightsideofthesun.com. There's like, oh, hey, this guy, uh, uh, G O D three, beautiful Grayson, B E A, beautiful. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Absolutely. And, and here's a fun one for you, Jamsters. I got something that, you know, I was thinking about because they they mentioned on the broadcast numerous times tonight, uh, today, whatever, this day that Grayson Allen is leading the league at 48.5% from three-point land. And that means it's trivia time. You know what time it is. Trivia time. Whoa, where are you? Did, hey. you get, did you get kicked out? No, I didn't. I just I didn't have any service at all. Like I couldn't even get back on. I couldn't even text you, so I just left. So now I'm outside. It's nice out. It's a gorgeous day outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh well we were just I was just talking about Grayson Allen and the fact that he's shooting forty eight point five percent from three point land. Uh and it, it brought me to one of those trivia times where i want to stat people and in honor of our great friend dave king let's uh let's stat some people who is the all-time leader in three-point percentage in phoenix suns history in a season is it eddie house or grayson allen it is neither grayson allen grayson allen currently at 48.5 which we know is going to jump today uh, after shooting 50% from three, six of 12, uh, it is Grayson Allen is currently in second. So we have some guesses in the chat. We've got David Ray says Steve Nash. Kip says the matrix. Crazy Luigi says Steve Nash. John Tran says Steve Nash. Uh, Suns fever says Chapman. Quan says Marley. Luigi also says Chapman. I got another Nash. Drew Eubanks and the uh, laughing emoji. Quentin Richardson from Seth Logan Hopkins. The answer is Craig Hodges in 87-88. He shot <laughs> – yes, uh, everyone yeah. remembers Craig Hodges. Uh, he shot 54.4% from beyond the arc. It equated to 31 of 57 on the season. So there you go. A little tidbit for you. Uh, you, you have officially been stabbed. Ooh, dang, stabbed. Let's talk about another one of the other guys. Obviously, Grayson Allen had a great game, but so did newcomer Royce O'Neal. Yeah, yeah, bling, 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 Rolls Royce, Royce O'Neal in this game, obviously stepping in with Eric Gordon being out. He's the first guy to come off of the bench. 
uh, not off the bench. I'm sorry. He started tonight, 37 minutes, seven of 12 from the field, six of 10 from beyond the arc. So you have Grayson Allen go six of 12. You got him go six of 10. They combine for 12 of 22 from deep. He's got 20 points. He's got 10 rebounds, four assists, two steals and a block. Royce O'Neal was everywhere tonight, Matthew. Today. Yeah, and it, yeah, it doesn't really show up in the stat sheet too much, but the way he actually, he's been doing this, um, where he can really, um, he can tell where the guy's shots are going to fall. Um, he's doing this on the offensive yeah. end where he can read exactly if it's long or short, and he's tipping the ball back out for second chance opportunities. Um, that is the biggest thing that I've seen from him. Like, he'll stand in the corner, doesn't get the shot, someone jacks something up, he'll run out towards the key just make sure that we get a second chance so he's been doing that a lot and that's really impressive of him but like i said earlier to start like he he of course is hot from three mm-hmm. but there's just something in him and his and his energy and stuff that he just it transitions transitions to the other players at where they can continue to play like a high energy pace when he's on the floor and it's like he doesn't mess up doesn't make dumb plays and he's just automatically a guy that you can rely on for the three but also just cutting and then making the smart play around the rim defensively if he has to he can he can guard anthony davis and i know i was giving him a hard time earlier in the in the podcast but he he was he he had to guard him a few times uh around the rim waiting for nerf waiting for guys to come help uh so he does a little bit of everything and i love that he got the opportunity to start tonight because he really saw it all yeah i think that him starting was obviously a wrinkle that the sun's hand was forced into doing, but it definitely garnered positive results. He reminds me kind of, of a campaign personality type, not nearly as animated as campaign, obviously a complete different position. He's not a ball initiator, but he has a, an energy about him that his teammates feed off of. And obviously he's not as bipolar as campaign was either. Uh, Hey, look, chemtrails behind Matthew. Uh, it's the government, man. Fucking, let me tell you what. It's cloudy today because them chem, them chemtrails, <laughs> them chemtrails did tell you what. Anyways, uh, so he has this transferability with his teammates that uh is it makes it tough for opposing teams to stop him from being effective. He feeds off of turnovers. He feeds off of the offensive rebounds, and like you said, constantly active. And I mentioned it uh, either last podcast or the podcast prior, the way that he has his head always up. He's very aware of what's going on at all times. So he's he's the one who's trying to jump passing lanes and things of that nature. His size, uh, his ability to shoot the three ball, everything combined is uh, make, make somebody who is like a, an ideal fit for Phoenix. And as we navigate these last 24 games, he's going to have to play a big part in those for a couple different reasons. One, the injury bug, right? Like people are going to be injured. And if Royce O'Neal can step in and start, that's going to be uh, absolutely huge for the Suns because he can guard a one through five, as you mentioned. He can guard Anthony Davis, but he can guard the point of attack. He can guard a wing player in the perimeter. Uh, He can get physical on the interior. He really is kind of that Swiss Army knife player who's not great in anything, but really good at a lot of things. Uh, And having somebody, you know, a second reason that he's going to be very vital moving down the stretches having somebody who can just give you quality minutes. And we know that from the front end of the season, the challenge with the Suns is so many times guys would come off the bench and just be complete voids on the court, whereas he is not. And, you know, you were saying it doesn't, he doesn't really stuff the stat sheet or the the stat sheet doesn't show it. Hell, 20 and 10 
with four assists, two steals, and six made threes. That's stuff in the fucking stat sheet, in, in my personal and professional opinion. Yeah, it's first game too, home, and it's. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Wait. No, no, he played. He no, he played. Did he the play? Two, yeah, the two games before the the break. Detroit mm. and Jamama. That's that is the, the Kings. Not, yeah, that's correct. Not really play. Okay. Yeah. All right, got it. I'm on track now. I'm out of my element over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I will say uh, a, a great question uh, from Saul in the chat it says Royce should continue to start over EG. Not a question, but I can turn that into a question. Should Royce <laughs> O'Neal continue to start over Eric Gordon if Bradley Beal is out? I think what you can do, and I think Eric Gordon should start. Um, because he's a better starter, but I think just having um, Royce O'Neal out there in clutch time minutes is better than Eric Gordon. Because we saw the last few games where Eric Gordon kind of struggled out there. Um, his IQ is just not as high when you need to grab the extra board, when you need to make, make that extra play to really get yourself in the team in position to win the game. Royce can do that. Uh, EG cannot. But I do. I still like EG starting because he's he's been so good starting. It's, it's one of those things where it's like these guys like come out, they have this huge game, which Royce did, and you just want to throw him in the starting lineup. Like, Bobo will be pretty soon. It's going to be a thing. And then now now, now it's Royce O'Neal. But I'm going to stick with Eric Gordon for now, I think. What do you think? I agree. I think Eric Gordon's a great starter, and Royce O'Neal could be a finisher for you because we've talked about what is the biggest challenge with Eric Gordon this season. And again, this is all cont- uh, contingent on whether or not Bradley Beal is playing or not. The Suns don't play again until Thursday, ladies and jamsters. They play Houston again for two games. Beal should be back by then. Like, it's a very different conversation. If he's not back by then, it's like, holy shit. But if that's the case, if we have no Beal, we've talked about the issue with Eric Gordon this season, where he, as a bench player, his splits are drastically worse. It's almost like he gets warmed up before the game, and then he has to go and sit down for 30 minutes of real time, and he just can't get it going after that, right? He's a little too old for that. So, like you said, have him come out, have him engage early, and be the offensive player that he has been as a starter. And then as this, as the game progresses and you're getting down to those clutch time minutes where defensive possessions and rebounding become more valuable, you put in the person who can give you defensive intensity and somebody who can grab rebounds, and that is Royce O'Neal in this case. So I, I think that that's a good observation. It's a good question to have, and it's a good option to have uh, in Royce O'Neal. Now, of course, another one of the other guys tonight who is highly productive Bobo, motherfucker. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Bobo, motherfucker. So, Bobo tonight, 11 points. He had four rebounds, five of nine shooting, had a total of 24 minutes played. Uh, all of his offensive production came in the first half. He was five of six from the field for those 11 points in the first half, uh, ended five of nine. So he was 0 of three in the second half. But again, some amazing plays, uh, one of four from beyond the arc. And that was his first shot made was a three-pointer. He had a nice take to the rim and a dunk that the the crowd appeared to go crazy. Tell me about the, the bowl bowl effect live and in person from the footy tonight, Matthew. You know, it's it's loud. It's not as loud as like those Lakers fans, um, but it, it's still loud. I think when Bull first started, you know, coming off the bench for the Suns, it was almost 
I like eye piercing, ear piercing, <laughs> for sure. With the eye piercing. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, now I think the the fans, of course, when he makes a shot, they go absolutely ballistic. But it's kind of like he's a part of the team now, where he just kind of blends in. He's shown so much versatility in his game, especially tonight, where he has that shot going across the lane over Achimura, where it just looks like a difficult shot. But it's you know he's like ten feet above the rim, like letting that go. Um, so to know that he has that in his arsenal, it's nice. And the confidence he has now to actually pull it down from three and get to the rim, I love that part. Because he settled for some threes tonight, maybe one that I didn't like. But other than that, like he was getting to the rim, getting to different spots on the floor. And like he said, he had that one dunk where he kind of just moved, he maneuvered around everybody else, all the Lakers defenders, and just got straight to the rim. So his confidence is very high. And I love how he played the high minutes tonight because – they got to continue to do it. Like the DMPs have to stop with him. I think he just has to be a part of the Suns rotation, no matter the matchups. Because, like I said before, like he is pretty vital. I think in what the Suns are going to do this year and getting to a championship. If he does not continue to perform at a higher level, I don't think they really have an opportunity, a chance, just due to the fact that we know we're going to face some injuries in the playoffs. So we need this to continue for mobile. And I like what Ozzy says in the chat. He says, Bull Bull effective on defense, not noticed as much. And for those of you who like to read, head over to brightsideofthesun.com. We actually had a piece published this morning written by uh, Stephen Prigian Gardner. Great writer, great analysis for the bright side writing crew that we have there. And he says, you know, the title is the Bull Bull effect is sustaining and he's staking his claim in the main rotation. And to, you know, kind of to echo Ozzy's points, it's because of the way that he's been playing defense. Uh, he has with Kevin Durant on the court, their defensive rating is like in the nineties. I mean, it really has been amped up. You have Durant and him um, plus Eubanks. And it, they're they're a plus fifteen point five net rating. I mean, there's some really good uh, advanced analytics relative to how great Bull Bull has been performing on that side of the floor. And we see it when he when somebody has to try to shoot over him, they have to put a little bit more arc on that shot because they see him coming at that seven eight wingspan flying at you, and because of those closeouts, it's deterring the shots enough on the perimeter, which is unbelievably valuable especially when you're playing teams that are trying to come back from a big deficit that you know they're going to shoot the three ball and if you could make them uncomfortable doing so that's a huge win uh, a plus 14 plus minus for bowl bowl in that first quarter i mean we mentioned the fact that they were they scored 45 points it's because bowl bowl came out and really affected that game big time that's what set the standard is it's almost like the lakers relaxed a little bit when they saw bowl enter the game and they're like, okay, maybe we can start to chip away at this. And then the Suns expanded the lead with him out there. So another great performance by bowl. He's starting to stack these one-on-one and he's absolutely earned himself, not only a, a spot in the rotation, but as we near the postseason, we're really going to start to have these conversations. It's, you know, you're going to have probably a nine man rotation in the postseason is one of those, you know, you, you know, that you're going to have your starting five, you know, it's the Eric Gordon, Royce O'Neal, and then it's like Drew Eubanks, Bull Bull. I mean, like there's going to be some really interesting conversations around that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I brought that up before, and I think everyone thought I was joking, but I really think that the starting lineup might contain Bull Bull at some time. Um, I, I think that um, even tonight, like the way that Royce O'Neal and Bull Bull can't come in and continue like the momentum, like they, I don't know, there was, I know we just got done talking about Royce, but there was a play where like Bull Bull, like the first possession where Bull Bull came in, LeBron was, 
you know, he had the ball and it was like, oh shit, what's going to happen here? Help defense came over and then Royce actually knows like how to read where the ball's going to go, tips it out of bounds. They don't get the turnover, but Lakers don't score the next possession. And then after that, like you can kind of see like how Bol Bol defensively, like you mentioned, like he's he's something of a menace at times. Um, but uh, I forget where I was going to go with that because someone was there. All right, just continue. Sorry, John. <laughs> what, what? Somebody, somebody like cut you off walking or something? You're like, hey, uh, I'm walking here. I'm fucking uh, walking here. I was all I was walking and like a uh, car was coming. So never mind. Wow, Matthew well, kicked- on live TV. Well- got kicked out of the game and get hit by a car. <laughs> Live Only team. here on the Suns Jam Session podcast, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Who the heck are you? Yeah, I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. Y'all know who I am. Did anybody see a sniper? Did anybody see anything? I'm one of the best players to ever play a game. 22 points from Kevin Durant tonight on 7 of 20 shooting, 2 of 8 from beyond the arc. He had 7 assists. He had 5 rebounds, a couple blocks, 3 turnovers. Not a sharp game again from Kevin Durant and what we've noticed coming out of the all-star break is we we haven't seen a very sharp KD he's had, and we've noted this before. And I will say this. uh, I absolutely love watching Kevin Durant play basketball. I'm still amazed that he's on our (laughs) team, Uh, but he makes some of the dumbest fucking turnovers. Like he had one early in the first quarter where he just like, just threw it out of bounds. Like there's nobody there. And I don't know what he was doing. And then there's a few times where, from an isolation standpoint, the Suns are flowing. They're popping the ball around, as we mentioned. Ball movement leads to offensive advantage because you are moving defenders into places that they don't want to be. And then KD just kind of slows it down, goes into ISO mode. And then when he gets stuck, he kicks it out to a Kogi, and a Kogi doesn't want the ball. So, I mean, there's just some decision-making and and a lack of sharpness coming out of the All-Star break that I don't. I wouldn't say I'm concerned. Uh, especially considering the Suns won tonight by 10 points over the Lakers. I'm not concerned, but it's something that I'm just, I'm kind of keeping my eye on. Yeah, me too. Um, it's been three games. So I already know, like, when he comes back from injury, it takes him a while to get back into the groove of stuff, uh, games. But right now, like, he's still, he's probably the worst player tonight. I mean, that's, I love Kevin Durant, everything he brings to the Suns, number 35, he's 35 years old, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. I just think that, I just think that, Tonight, he probably was the worst player um, just because the ball movement kind of stopped with him at times. I think in the second quarter, when they're relying heavily on him and Booker's out of the game, I think that they need to rely more heavy on Grayson Allen. I think we brought that up last podcast where he needs to be more involved with KD to help out, especially with Beal being out Um, because the ball does stop with him too much. Um, The tough shots is just when the team is playing like a team tonight, you don't really necessarily need those tough shots, but... I don't know. I'm not too worried right now. I'll give it a couple of our games to plug it back. Yeah, and I wouldn't say necessarily like you have to rely on Grayson Allen. I think what you have to do is you have to rely on the guys that are around him and open because that's what he brings, right? He brings a gravity to him that is going to force people being open. And the majority of the time, it is going to be somebody like a Grayson Allen, like a Royce O'Neal. And there just needs to be some cognitive understanding that, hey, in some games, there's going to be in uh, certain situations where they are purely and utterly focusing on not allowing Kevin Durant to score. And you'll see it where he, he tries to force it. And I get it. He's one of the greatest players to ever play this game. So you can't fault him for trying to either shoot himself out of a slump or trying to make something happen for his team. That's what makes him one of the greatest. But there's also certain situations where you can sit and say, hey, you know what? The guys around me are cooking. 
right? Like when Kevin Durant earlier this season was having a good like three quarters and then they stop feeding him and then they they tell him in the post game presser that Jalen Brunson had 50 points and he's like, oh, yeah, it's nice. It must be nice to get fed. You know, like he was cooking, so they kept feeding him. Hmm. And everyone's like, oh, is, is yeah. that kind of a shot at the team? Yes and no with KD. So he needs to do the same thing, the same understanding that you need to go ahead and dish that ball out to those guys who are carrying your team and getting you to that point. Uh, obviously, he makes some of those jumpers, and we don't have this conversation. But, I mean, he just he hasn't been as sharp, and that's just my one thing. I'm just keeping an eye on that. Uh, and then there's Devin Booker. Big Dick Booker. Devin Booker tonight had 21 points. It just just so everybody knows, everybody who started tonight had 20 points except for Yusuf Nurkic, who had 18 points and 22 rebounds. I mean, the starting five <laughs> yeah. carried their own. Devin Booker had 21 points on eight of 18 shooting, one of four from beyond the arc. He had nine assists as well, so 21-9 for Book. Three rebounds, one steal. A little bit better on the defensive end. Again, it's something that I definitely harped on in our last podcast about just kind of my frustration with the fact that Devin Booker is kind of olays some people, if you will, on defense. And it's something that I actually looked a little bit deeper into. And if you look at basketball index, right, uh, a great place for advanced metrics, you take a look at this season. He's in the 16th percentile in passing lane defense, the 22nd percentile in deflections per 75 possessions, and 24th percentile in three-point contests per 75 possessions. You go back just one season ago where he was at 16%, he was at 58% last year in the percentile. Where he was at 20 to the 22nd percentile, he was in the 52nd percentile in deflections, and 32 percentile in three-point contests versus 24 this year. Those are hustle stats. Like those are that's why I chose those stats. Is those are stats that are hustling, right? You know, passing lane, deflections, contesting three pointers. That's the challenge that I've seen with Devin Booker. Because I know that some people kind of get a little flustered when I start to talk a little crap about Devin Booker. Simply just point out my observations. That's what I saw tonight. Again, he was much more in tune with, "Hey, other guys are playing well. I'm going to feed them." An issue we had in the game against the Rockets, where he had one assist. He had nine tonight. He was willingly passing. He was setting up his teammates, and they were knocking him down for him. Uh, I'd like to see that that adjustment that we talked about in the last game. Yeah, and I think that uh, he's not like kind of like KD. He's not really in full form yet either. Um, I think it, those All Star weeks, I think, kind of just kill these players. I'm not gonna lie, dude. Like uh, Skeets on No Dunks that I listened to was talking about that the team that wins should probably have more games off and maybe get these All Stars like some more DNPs until the until they can kind of get their feet under their, their themselves, but. It just it doesn't seem like the same guy right now, but I think right now, um, like he said early in the game, he had like six assists like right off the bat. So getting other guys involved, knowing that he doesn't really feel like himself right now, it's just it's very crucial. And um, other other players feed off of that. So if he's not going to hog the ball and continue to like jack up pretty nasty shots, uh, some difficult looking shots, then other guys know like they're they have a chance tonight or today to really put up some stats to get into their own groove help this team win so that's what he did uh it's kind of hard to watch right now honestly but i think like kd just give him a few more games yeah agreed and that's where again the frustration is for the fan base is right now if, if we're two and one coming out of the break right if we beat that houston team you're sitting there and you're going okay listen the kd's not sharp right now booker's still kind of getting back in the groove post all-star break but at least we're two and one we're one and two and obviously a big win today 
massive win because you can't start out 0 and 3 knowing that you're chasing so many teams and you don't I mean we were talking just a week ago about how the Suns could potentially have a first round bye like we're just trying to get to the point where we're not in the play in tournament and and that's the reality of what's occurring for the Phoenix Suns right now so knowing that Katie isn't sharp knowing that Booker hasn't been his self his, his normal self outside of the 35 point performance against the the Dallas Mavericks you, you start to get into some cause and effect situations where you're sitting there and you're like, well, because of Katie's lack of sharpness and Booker's lack of just overall uh, freshness, if you will, they're losing. Now you're starting to see that there's some, especially in Booker's case, Hey, if I don't have it shooting wise, I'm going to set up my teammates, 21 points, nine assists, his teammates. He, he didn't, he, he was passing out of double teams before they were coming, except for one time tonight. Again, something that I was definitely paying attention to. Saban Lee did something tonight, Matthew. Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee, you are cleared for takeoff. Saban Lee got minutes again tonight. Only nine, but Matthew, he did it. He hit his first three-pointer of the season. I think he's one of nine now on the season from Beyond the Arc. The lot. What did it look like in the arena? Because it looks funky on TV, man. It looks like a it looks like a pass. Yeah, no, it's it's funky. And then when they show the replay, it's even funkier. It's a crazy thing to look at. But thank God, dude, that the bench got up right away when he hit that one. <laughs> they were sporting the hell out of him. So happy to see it, man. He got some pretty good minutes tonight. I feel like. Yeah, they were positive. Uh, again, not, uh, he's a two-way contract player, and I'm not going to go into too far in depth into Saban Lee's performance because it doesn't matter come postseason. But he gave you some minutes, and he hit a three. I just thought I'd point it out here on the podcast. All right, let's talk about what happened in Los Angeles on their subreddit. The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. It's not nearly as dark in here because it's... Four in the after, five in the afternoon here in Phoenix. But I was in LA, the city of angels. It was actually kind of a boring subreddit. Like, I'm not really? going to lie, Jamsters. I'm sorry. Like, I thought the Lakers fans would be a little bit more spicy, but you got to think of what happened in this game. The Suns boat raced them with 45 points in the first quarter. They were fighting to get back. So there was a lot of just. Them hating Dar- Darvin Ham, them saying Frank Vogel was better than um, Darvin Ham. Rotations were dumb. Not a lot of shit talking, but I'll go ahead and give you what you want. So let's just ignore Booker being a dirty bitch and hooking AD on that screen. And then everybody was uh, frustrated at the fact that Yusuf Nurkic was going right at AD. And somebody goes, why is AD getting pushed by a 50-pound heavier guy than him? Is he stupid? Some of y'all never took a physic class, apparently. It's like, yeah, because they were like, well, why is he getting pushed around? It's like, because the dude's bigger than him. So I thought it was kind of a funny observation. Katie, Bobo, Nurkic, unfair size. I always thought the Lakers were bigger. You know, yeah, and I the Suns are second in the league in, in length, and obviously has a lot to do with or in height. With Bobo and KD, man. Bobo. <laughs> and then somebody from the Lakers subreddit said, "Why is Nurkic playing like Prime Shack?" And then Richard Jefferson was on the pod or on the on the broadcast, and he was talking a lot about the the sheer fact that. Um, 
Devin Booker was wearing the new Mirage 2s today, the new Book 1s, if you will. And uh, somebody said, uh, those shoes are ugly as fuck. Those are my favorite ones. I know. I yeah, like because they're blue. I like. Yeah, they're I not like going them. I, I like. I like those. Those if, are my favorite if, ones. If the, if the swish was white, I would have. I love them, but okay. I just like. Them it's a weird one to wear on the court. Like, I don't feel like yeah. it's a shoe that you would wear playing a game. I think that's one you go out to have pizza in or something. Nothing to play a basketball game in though. A hundred percent. So mad they got Rolls Royce, man. Uh, fuck bowl bowl. Wow. Bull. Wow, dude. Hey, Bobo they got Dimwitty. Hey, they got yeah. Dimwitty. <laughs> they happy with that? He look. He looks cool. <laughs> Fucking Spencer Dinshitty. Yeah. Uh, Devin Booker <laughs> is a pussy. <laughs> if Frank Vogel turns a team that's starting Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, KD, and a washed-up Nurkic into a league-average defensive team, then he really is a top-five coach. Uh, Devin Booker is a bitch, and Kendall Jenner has been fucked by half the league. <laughs> that lady ref, that lady ref looks like Amy Schumer. That's why she's extra annoying. Amy Schumer. Uh, yeah. The female oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see her lately though? Like she's really puffy. I mean, her face is like puffy. I guess she has some kind of infection. It's, it's nothing to be to laugh about. I'm just I don't even know why I brought that up. I'm just saying that, she, that they think she's annoying. Uh, okay. Saul, no LBJ trash talk. No, no one in the Lakers <clears throat> subreddit was talking trash about LBJ. Every time he did anything, he's like, "Oh, hail the king!" Fuck off, <laughs> fuck off, Grayson Allen, you bitch ass motherfucker. <laughs> and then the last one on the subreddit stakeout, Grayson Allen. Looks like a teenager and a grandpa at the same time. The Sun's Jam Session subreddit stakeout. There you go. It looks like uh, when I'm walking around, it looks like I'm filming people with my phone out like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Is he like... just out there filming cars? <laughs> yeah, I'm all behind a bush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like I um I gotta figure something out then one of the games and stuff. Yes, yes. That happened. What with the your reception? Yeah, that was yeah. I just had to I don't know. Maybe it was just my phone. Because I had to reboot and stuff, so maybe it was yeah. just that. It's probably your phone. Probably your phone. All right. Probably. Thoughts on LeBron James tonight, Matthew. So uh yeah. LBJ, 28 points, 12 assists, two steals, 12 of 19 from the field, three of six from beyond the arc. Uh, I don't know if you know this. He's 39 years old in his 21st season. Um, what was it like witnessing um, the second greatest player of all time in person? You know, if the Suns limited the turnovers, they'll let him have those two breakaway dunks. It was just not a good game. It, it's just a weird Lakers team where, like I said earlier, they rely a lot on just him like coming up, trying to hit those threes to get the crowd into it, to get the team back into it. D'Angelo Russell, another guy that just kind of just shoots threes and that's it. Um, so it's a weird-looking team, man. I think if LeBron gets off in three, if he can get to the rim and get some fouls called, then yeah. But tonight he wasn't getting any fouls called, especially at the end of the game. Yeah, like, he was bitching to, a moment me, about that. He was. And to me, I was like, yeah, that is kind of strange because we do this a lot with Devin Booker where he'll have those same type of games where he'll get to the rim and nothing's called and he's on the floor. 
So I can see the frustration and I, I just, I thought it was kind of strange how he was getting calls, but I'm not going to say anything. I just did, but it was just kind of weird that we were kind of getting away with like three guys contesting a shot at the rim with no calls. Not saying yeah, we're fouling him. It's just usually there's calls there. You're right. A hundred percent. Right. That he normally gets those calls. Uh, the challenges in those situations is like he creates the contact, right? It was like the Devin Booker foul that they, uh, that LeBron, LeBron James, you know, quote unquote committed. And then they reviewed it to see if it was uh, a take foul and all that stuff where Devin Booker just ran into him. It's like, that's not a foul yeah. on LeBron James. It's a foul. That's it, anything. It's a no call. Cause he ran, he created the contact. And it's the same thing in those situations where it's like, you have guys down deep and like he jumps into these guys and tries to create contact to get to the line and they don't call it. And then he just sits there and he does the, just, uh, you visibly see him, you know, and or when like a teammate of his does a bad job on defense and he just kind of you like you see from a body language standpoint, him just being uh, not very happy with his with his teammates. So, uh, you know, LeBron James is LeBron James. I, I tip my hat to the amount of effort and and way that he plays at such an advanced time in his career. Um, I still I mean, again, I grew up watching Jordan. I enjoyed watching Jordan. There, there's nobody better at downhill than LeBron James that I've ever seen. He starts getting going like you cannot stop him, period, exclamation point. Like nobody, he's just, he's too powerful. Whereas Jordan was like majestic. He'd jump up and threw three guys and bank it in on the way down. It was just amazing. So, um, but nice to, nice to beat LeBron uh, here in Phoenix. Two and three. Nice. Yeah. It was nice to see him too. Like I got, I, I didn't think I was gonna be able to see him, but I did. And I got to walk next to him and tap smell him, him. Tap him on the butt. Here. Yeah, he has like a guy with a camera following him around. I like saw nonstop. that. Yeah. yeah, that must be so weird, dude. No, he wants it. He wants it because he wants he he, yeah. he wants his own version of the last oh, dance that, to tell everyone how Brady it is. That's what it is. It's yep. LeBron always controlling the narrative. So what's the thing like? So coming to the games, what's the thing with like the, the actual stars always come out after the regular team, the rest of the team comes out. Like they always do the hub like, all right, let's go one, two, three, break. Let's go. Let's go fucking win this. And then like it's either like him coming out late or else Cat will come out late. Like it's always like guys are just, I guess, I don't know. They don't want to be there with the team. They don't want the exposure. I don't know what it is. Maybe they're just taking some extra time uh, getting taped or something. I don't know. <sighs> Or, or, or LeBron getting videotaped. Like he's got to, they, they, they got to get a picture of him looking at himself in the mirror saying, like, you know, hey, I'm fucking LeBron. Yeah. Man. Let's do this. Yeah. He's like, knees weak, <laughs> arms are heavy. That's probably what it is. Yeah. Sweater already, mom spaghetti. <laughs> Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, reminder subscribe, rate, and review. Matthew, who are you giving your uh, Jam star of the game to? I'm going to give it to Nurk. Impressive stat line. Yeah, um, that is good. All around a great team effort, but Nerf by far, I think. This is one of the tough ones, right? I mean, like you said, great team yeah. effort. Uh, all starters scored in 20, but or over 20 points, but Nerf, but he had 22 rebounds. It's really tough to, but I, I'm, I'm going to do a combo of Royce O'Neal slash Grayson Allen with the way that nice. they just were knocking him down. I thought it was absolutely fantastic to see them do that. So, Suns are off the next, what, three nights? Uh, they play yeah. on Thursday at home against the Houston Rockets. Hopefully an opportunity for some revenge. What are you looking for in that one, Matthew? Um, Some Bradley Beal. Let's see some Bradley yes. Beal out there. I, I'm hoping he is back. Um, let's get it. Was it 23 games left? 24? 24. 24 games left. This is a good time for him to come back and uh, get in the groove of things. So 
Um, I mean, the shoot around, he looked good too. Like, I think he's fine. I think it's one of those things where they try to extend it as far as they can with him because they know, like, they don't want to make anything worse, obviously. And they probably think that they could beat a Lakers team without him. Um, but obviously, you, can beat the, you should beat the Rockets without him. But I just want to see him on the floor with that team. No, I'm with you, Hunter. That's what I'm looking forward to is a healthy Bradley Beal and trying to get him reacclimated again into the offense and seeing if Frank Vogel's like, well, he's going to be on a minutes restriction and we got to do all that shit again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's you know, insane. it's the same shit. And so just yeah. seeing and seeing, seeing what that looks and feels like. So uh, jamsters, make sure you join us live. Then if you get a chance, please head over to Apple podcast, leave us one of those very nicely written or not nicely written, but purely written five-star reviews we'll read it right here on the pod if you're watching thumbs up on the youtube channel if you get a chance head over to phoenixfits.net use promo code sunsjam10 for an opportunity not an opportunity the right to go ahead and purchase something and get a discount be pretty cool phoenixfits.net all with f no ph's uh matthew you can stop filming people in the garage there and and looking like a creep (laughs) and you can tell everyone what they can do Go home and love your family, everybody. Yes. All right. Drive home safely, everybody. Have a good night. We'll see you on Thursday. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.